When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Chills. Here we are, we're at the winter break. That's it, no more football for a couple of weeks. But we've got a few things to talk about. And here to discuss what it's going to be like, what he's going to do for a couple of weeks, we've got two wonderful people. Of course, we've got Mr. Andy Flicker V. Sign Saunders. And Mr. Seb Fontaine. How are you, Andy? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've had a very nice time. I went away to Norfolk for the weekend and managed to miss you as you entered Norfolk. I think we, uh, yeah, we must have crossed because I came up today. So uh, um, I'm sitting up here on the East Coast. You've been up here on the East Coast and now you're back in your country manor. Yes, indeed. That's it. I've been up to the seaside. It was lovely, actually. Fantastic weather. Can't complain. You was doing a bit of bird watching, were you? Yes, went and saw some shore lark. Oh, that was fantastic. Up at Holcomb Beach. Mm. Wonderful. They cordoned off the whole area. Tiny little birds, lovely bright yellow and black faces. What are they fantastic. called? Shore lark. Never heard of them. Look at them. Look them up. They're, they're really quite exotic. Yeah. I don't yes. think we have those in Streatham. <laughs> no, you, no, no, you haven't. I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to think. You might have had uh, Shaw Taylor keeping an eye out. Oh, oh there Keep we go. Field. <laughs> Hello, Seb. That is the voice of Mr. Seb Fontaine. How are you, Seb? I'm really good. Uh, funny enough, I didn't make the game yesterday because I woke up with all the sore throat and the whole. Thing, and I'm thinking, I finally got COVID. I've been to a million festivals and a hundred nightclubs and I've never got COVID. And I stay in one Saturday night and I get COVID. Uh, but actually, it doesn't seem I do have it. And it's just a, a little blip. I, the guy I sit with, it has health complications. So I just thought, I'll, I'll leave it. So I watched it at home and I'm a very happy bunny. If, if you'd have had me on last week, I'd have been quite a ranty man. But today I'm happy. 
Yeah. Uh, That's well, unusual, maybe. sir. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. And a Monday as well. It's interesting because we've got one man who can be very ranty and one man who can be very angry. And both of you look very smiley. So yeah, why that's not? good. Who, who yeah, wouldn't absolutely. be smiley? It's, it's the Kerry effect. Ah, that's always good to know. I'm glad I have a good effect at times. But, uh, but yeah, so you've been busy, Seb. Has it been a, a busy period this January? Or are you hunkering down and just waiting for warmer climbs? Um, it was... It, I lost pretty much every single scrap of work from the 4th of December. Um, everything just went. And I've had a couple of things I did uh, in January. I've, I've already done a couple of things, but I, I think everything's going to get really busy from March. March seems to be the, you know, let's go. And I think it's going to be a really good year, actually. But it, it, I think I think what we're going to have for a while is insanely busy, elongated summers and slightly quieter winters. It, it would feel that seems to be the the run of what's going on at the moment. Yeah, we should probably explain to new listeners that, that Seb Fontaine is a superstar DJ and uh, of, of global renown. and Aging superstar from... DJ. <laughs> veteran, veteran <laughs> superstar DJ. Um, who makes his money from um, spinning discs around the world. I was talking to an agent the other day, Seb, who said that essentially we're going to be chasing the sun, which I thought was a very interesting analogy, yeah. which is, as you say, elongated summers um, and then switch to, to sunnier climes because obviously it seems that this this uh, uh, disease virus uh, favours winter periods. Um, mm. So yeah, he, he's in uh, he's in agreement with you that you're going to be basically just uh, doing what cricketers do in chasing the sun. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, that's not a bad thing to do not if you can thing, chase it? it and you can find it. Well, of course, Andy has to bring this up because, of course, being the, the wealthiest member of the Chels family, Andy's off to the Caribbean at the end of the week, aren't you, Andy? Yeah, I'm desperately, desp- well, I was desperately trying to catch COVID, which sounds like a terrible thing to say because I didn't want to test positive uh, before I went. And I went to the game yesterday and I was properly masked up, properly avoiding people because now I'm in that critical period that if I do get it, then I'm You're probably yeah. screwed. So it's like I'm in, a, I'm in a sort of, you know, fingers crossed that I don't test positive on my PCR, which is happening on Friday. So... Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know it's going to be lovely if I can get there, but I'm not counting any chickens yet. No, fair enough. That that makes sense to me. Um, but yes, uh, so what about you, Seb? Have you got any little journey for the sunshine uh, ahead of you? Yeah, um, not to, again, not till kind of March. I've got some Tenerife, some Ibiza, some. Um, I've got a nice thing in Menorca. I've got lots of nice things actually. You know what? Lots to look forward to. I've got to say, I was really down over Christmas. It was just miserable they they kind of didn't shut anything didn't shut the clubs but kind of told everyone not to go and it was just a it was a bit of an odd time actually so it, it's just nice to have some sun on the horizon and gigs in the diary and you know stuff to look forward to are you doing any of the sporting events you're doing the rugby or anything because i know you, you've done that in the past yeah i'll do some bits uh i'll probably do some uh formula one races and some bits like that really it's uh the thing with the rugby is it's quite a, a pissed up um, blokey crowd and they want certain music you know I, I only choose the really good but like when they're flying you out to Hong Kong or somewhere I'll do it but I'll try and uh, you know it's uh, it's somewhere I want it what needs to be a good location right <laughs> <laughs> but um okay well look we, we should Kerry would enjoy it Kerry Kerry loves a bit of blokey um jumping up and down music don't you Kerry love all uh, that oh absolutely I've you know I, I'm a jumper me yeah you can't keep me out of a mosh pit actually uh, 
actually it's probably best to keep me out of one of them um yeah i don't know i don't really know how to survive now much better sort of being in front of the mosh pit and away from it if you know what i mean with a camera taking photographs it's much much safer position so i suppose we should move on to football now uh we go back a few days brighton away which was the last of your trio of uh, away games, wasn't it, Andy? was. And what a miserable time was had by all. Ah, oh, here we go. Happiness over. Let's just talk about your journey and the seat you found waiting for you. Well, the journey there wasn't too bad. I live in St Albans, right, which is on the Thames link, which is, which is in theory, a brilliant train line because you get all three airports. Well, you get, uh, you get sorry, you get two airports. You get Luton and Gatwick. Um, and you can go all the way straight through to Brighton. So I thought, well, that's going to be easy. I literally get on the train at St Albans and I'll get off at Brighton. Um, somebody said to me, don't do that because it gets really, really crowded at Brighton. And then you, you know, and the actual ground is not in Brighton. It's in Falmer, which is a little bit outside Brighton. So what you want to do is go to East Croydon and then change to East Croydon and go to Lewis. And then you can get to Falmer from there. It'd be a lot easier. So I did that and it was actually reasonably painless. And I got there in reasonable time to find that my seat was literally behind the goal, you know, at the front behind the goal. So I was looking through netting at the pitch, which is rubbish, actually. I've never done that before, but it's almost like you've got a screen in front of you. So, all right, it is what it is. I'm just pleased to be there. Then we were terrible. Then the whole atmosphere was toxic. And then afterwards, because it's, um, you know, in the middle of nowhere, there's a real bun fight to get on any train or any kind of transport. So you stand there for ages. And then I thought, well, I'll go back to Lewis. I went back to Lewis and then the train was cancelled. And then I just took ages and ages and I missed my connection at Brighton. I didn't get home till half past one in the morning. So it was miserable. Is that enough of a summary for you? Yeah, that, 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 that sounds pretty miserable. Now, was. Um, how well, about... I was pleased to go, and I'm very grateful for the person, Hazel, who gave me the ticket. Um, and, you know, I'm, I was very grateful to be there. Um, it just wasn't a lot of fun when I got there, so... No, fair enough. Uh, and what about you, Seb? Uh, I take it you didn't have such a fraught experience getting ready to watch the game? No, I... Uh, no, it was great. It was nice. Uh, you know what? We've had a really disappointing or frustrating series of games and that was just another one in you know in that chain of miserable games I think um you know I think even it's quite odd moaning about Ziek when he's on you know the following game he's had such a a a great game and I don't like seeing that I you know I think it is I think I just personally really expected him to kick on this season he hasn't a little bit and I know he scored the goal and there was there was so many frustrations about that game and and like I said, it just seemed to come from a series of almost impending doom games. We know that we're you know slipping, losing, and we're about to lose control of it. And it just, you, we can also, I think you know, all the fans can see it coming. Everyone at home can see it coming, and it came. Yeah, no, it, it's true. I mean, Andy, do, do you think? Okay, look, um, let's cut to the chase of this. I'm, were you surprised at the side that he picked first of all for Brighton? Are we not? actually able to be surprised by teams anymore because we know there's something not quite right in being able to get the, the side that he wants out there but when he looked at it were you thinking mm, okay it should do a job or are you mindful of what had happened only a couple of weeks previously against them and thinking oh this is going to be tricky again 
the only thing I was slightly surprised about was Ziek Hudson Adoy. Um, starting a, a little bit surprised at that when we had um, when we had uh, Havertz and Werner on the bench. Now, perhaps there was a reason why they didn't play. Maybe they weren't fit after their positive test or coming back to fitness. Um, but generally, don't think you can be surprised by teams that he picks at the moment. He does like to rotate. He does try to, um, you know, to, to, to pick teams to what he thinks are going to be the strengths of the particular opposition that we're playing. Um, so I, I'm past being surprised. I mean, it was Kepper in goal. We know that um, he's in goal primarily because Mendy's at the African Cup of Nations. It looked like a back four of Azpilicueta, Silva, Rudiger and Alonso, uh, Kante and Jorginho, Ziyech and Mount, and then Lukaku and Hudson-Odoi. I mean, a lot of people saying that's a 4-2-2-2, which seems to be a system that he's adopting at the moment. That, that though, is a very fluid system, so I'm not going to be as rigid to say it is 4-2-2-2, but that, that's what people say. Um, it's certainly 4-2-something. Um, so we will, um, you know, we'll, 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 you know, we'll have to take other people's advice on, on what that formation is. But what we do know is that it was Lukaku sort of ploughing a lone furrow up front again. I'm sure that's something we're going to be coming to talk about. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be playing this four at the back, but it's kind of fluid. Quite often becomes five at the back. Quite often becomes two at the back. So it almost seems like he starts with a four. And then, depending on how things are happening, it it alternates between different shapes, really, and who's about. I mean, what do you think, Seb? Um, do you like the way the, the defence has been shaping up recently? This kind of starting with a four, but it could be a five. If And you do, you look at it in the game and you go, oh, well, hold on, weren't we just playing something else a minute ago? I don't think it ever becomes a two, Kerry. Well, no, quite often, if you're playing a four, he pushes those full backs quite a long way past the halfway line. And there's just two, the two central defenders who are staying in the middle of the park. It's some, something well, I've Jorginho noticed. Jorginho tends to drop when that happens. He so. drops, but he stays in front of those two. It's really, OK, it's two, one, four, two, one. Or what. It's, it's really very fluid. It's, it's not rigid lines that he's playing. What would you think about that, Seb? I think, look, it's no secret that I think our massive drop-in, not just form, it's actually a drop-in confidence seems to have, have come from the loss of Chilwell and James. And he's definitely trying stuff out. And, you know, and he's had a run of COVID infections and injuries. You know, that it, so it, it just feels very unsettled, everything he's doing. And I think, you know, I, I don't think you could blame the manager. I think he's, ha he's having to deal with an awful lot. And it, it's very funny, at the beginning of every season, there's always people moaning they're not getting enough game time. And you, you always think a, a team like Chelsea being in at least four competitions you know, there's going to be room for everyone. And this season, more than any other season, you know, so many, you know, fringe players are getting more time than they probably normally do. So I know, because I have seen people moaning about Tuchel in his rotation, but I don't, I think it's been forced on him. And I think he's doing a, a kind of, you know, he's plugging the holes, as, you know, wherever a leak kind of comes from. Um, it, it's been quite hard, you know, if you watch him on the touchline, he seems incredibly frustrated. Um, and I know a couple of the pundits were saying that doesn't help, you know, that can send the wrong message to the team. But I, it, there seems to be a level of frustration running through everything. And I just wonder, you know, on the games that we are underperforming, 
I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to see actually what's going wrong other than a lack of confidence and, and losing controls of games that we really should be winning. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that there is, look, we, there's no doubt we have been completely hamstrung by injuries. Um, do, you, do you think even though we've got a decent squad, Andy, that he's just trying to get through a certain period at the moment? I mean, especially with the Club World Cup coming up and we've talked about the fact that players um, are away, they're injured. There's there's all sorts of things going on. Are we trying to get through the period for after the Club World Cup now? Well, there's a couple of things. Firstly, I've literally just had an alert on my phone telling me that Claudio Ranieri's just been sacked after oh. three months at Watford. That's their third manager of the season. And, you know, we don't want to get into a situation where we are, you know, back on that kind of sacking track again. Um, and I think Tommy Tuchel's been amazing. And I, I, for the first time in a long time, I felt that this is a coach that really has some sense of vision about what he wants and uh, and seems to be very tied in with the aims of the club in general. So I think his position is safe and I think that he is definitely building towards something. To answer your question, um, I think that he has been obviously hamstrung by injuries. You mentioned James and Chilwell. They are huge losses. That was half our goals um, and they've gone. And that was also what he was building the team against. Really really attacking fullbacks, you know, that were supporting the front players that were creating opportunities. And that has dropped off remarkably. But I'll tell you something I noticed when I was at the game on Wednesday. Those players were knackered, absolutely knackered. And being at the front, what you noticed was when a defender came and picked the ball up, whether it was Rudiger uh, or whether it was Silva, they just looked absolutely gassed. Kante had his worst game in a Chelsea shirt for a long time. He couldn't get anywhere near the ball. I mean, that wasn't Kante at all. And I just think generally that lack of energy uh, and tiredness, when other teams, remember, have been able to play the COVID pass uh, and not play games. Burnley have got something like six games in hand. Um, You know, we have struggled through this period. What I will say is this, though. We've now got a week off. We've then got an FA Cup game. We've then got a bit of a holiday in in the Middle East. Um, And then we've got a fairly winnable run of games. We've got a lot of difficult games out of the way. Other teams are going to have to play some difficult opponents. They're going to have to play catch-up. They're going to have to play multi-game weeks that we won't have to play. So I don't think, ultimately, having got through this, that we're in as bad a position as some people might say we are. No, I I think that's true. Um, It's it's difficult to know until all the games are levelled up. We could be, you know, at the end of the day, we could still be a point behind Tottenham if they won all their games in hand. Kerry, they're not going to win all their games in hand. No, they're not. No, but what I'm saying... <laughs> Shoulda, no, coulda, woulda. They're not going to win them, Kerry. I mean, listen, anything can happen, they might. But you know and I know, we are long in the tooth, and so are you, Seb. There's no way Tottenham are going to win all those games in hand. No, but it is kind of scary because nothing... The, the table doesn't really mean anything at the moment, does no, it? No, it doesn't, no. <clears throat> and that, that's my point, is that we don't really know where we... Look, we could be still 10 points clear of them in, in three weeks' time. You're right. The table doesn't mean anything, but we have points on the board, and points on the board is, uh, you know, is golden. I think if you've already got those points and you've already secured those points, you know, Tottenham have got to, as you say, make up those, those games in hand. There's other teams behind us. 
uh, you know, they've got some difficult games coming up. I, I think that basically you've got a one, two, three, and then a battle for four, five, six. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to count any chickens or, or jinx anything, but I genuinely think we stand a very good chance of being, of being pretty solid in that top three position. Yeah, I mean, Seb, Seb, how do you view it? Do, do you, are you worried about the fact that teams have got games in hand on us? Or are you with Andy in the, in the camp that goes, well, look, we've got these points on the board, so we hold on to that? No, I think we've got the points on the board. I'd rather have that than a, a, a fixture clogging up, you know, lots of fixtures clogging up, extra tired players. I think we've done the hard work that some other teams have got ahead of them. I mean, I, I echo Andy's thing, and I really like Tuchel. I want him there for years and years and years. Um, you know, and I just really like what he does with the club. I think of, you know, of the elite managers in big clubs, I mean, he really is bringing through youth players, blooding youth players, which we, as Chelsea fans, we all love. You know, we really do. And he seems, you know, I mean, he seems to get most things right. We just seem to be in a little blip. And I don't know whether, you know, there's, we've obviously got a few players that are underperforming. You know, it feels like we've, you know, we've done a kind of, a Torres, Shevchenko, Chelsea move and signed a great player in Werner that just, you know, since he comes to us, can't score goals anymore. But, you know, I I just feel that some of the players have been underperforming and that could be tiredness. It could be, it could be a lot of things, you know, it's, it's just, you know, with people going down with COVID, he's not had the same team week in, week out. I just think there's, um, I, I would like to think that the Tottenham game will be, the turning point on this little, you know, I mean, we never have great winter periods, you know, we're quite notoriously bad around Christmas, but this one seems to have dragged on along a bit. And I think, I think, I think seeing Tuchel so frustrated was my worrying, was what made me worry the most in the, you know, is this, are there some serious cracks here in that he's actually getting really frustrated with his squad? Um, I don't know. I mean, and then, you know, you, I know we've not started come to the Tottenham game yet, but you know there was a vast improvement on on players' ratings over what they did at Brighton, and I don't know whether that's because we're more up for a Tottenham game. It's a London derby, and the history we have, or whether hopefully we have turned that corner. There was a yeah. bunch of away games in a row that didn't that didn't help, I don't think. And also as well, I think he gave the players two days off immediately after the Brighton game. He sort of said, they're, they're exhausted, I'm going to give them two games off, we'll come back and we prepare for, for Tottenham on Sunday accordingly. Um, and the other third thing is Tottenham are crap. And so that probably helped, you know, that we could play an opponent that, that didn't really put up too much of a fight. So, But that toxic combination you're referring to of tiredness, a lack of confidence, a lack of consistency in being able to pick the same team, um, a lack of consistency in individual performances. I think that mix hasn't helped the process at all. No, I, I think I think that's true. Um, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you think, well, we should have the players to be able to cope with this, but it's been such an intense period, and you do wonder why we've got this break now when actually maybe it could have been earlier. People have been taking advantage of the rules vis-a-vis Arsenal. You know, we have, apart from one moment where he moaned about we tried to get one game cancelled, we've really stuck at it because we know what's coming after the Club World Cup. And then we don't want the backlog of of fixtures when we come back from that because you're going to have the Champions League back on, you've got Cup Finals, you've got the FA Cup. It would just be a nightmare. So in a kind of way, it feels as though we've hedged our bets a bit and gone, okay, it hasn't necessarily worked for us so well, 
But we should be clearer, like as we're saying about Tottenham, they will suddenly have to play four games every three days or something, you know, I mean, a game every three days. So we do have them out of the way. But, you know, it would have been nicer to have more points. And the Brighton game was just, it was another one of those games, wasn't it, really, whereby a team stuck diligently to their task against us and played at their maximum level. And we just couldn't raise it to 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 get a win out of that they were 90 minutes. I, I, they let's, were. Let's, I like give, the way they play. Yeah, let's give Brighton some credit. You know, they, they exploited the, the flanks really well. They pressed us really well. They exploited our tiredness. They kept the ball moving. They took their chance, you know. And I think that a team like Brighton, uh, you know, against a tired, slightly fractured team like us, they're always going to be in with a shot if they can just stay in the game, which they did. You know, ZX goal was, you know, a decent goal. Keeper probably could have done better, but, you know, it was a decent goal. He, he had a really, really poor game. Um, you know, it, there was just so many things wrong with that game. But sometimes I think you need to hit a certain amount of rock bottom to start coming up again. And as you say, hopefully Spurs is the start of a little bit of a resurgence. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, what were your last thoughts on the Brighton game, uh, Seb? Were were you disappointed or go, you know, actually, it's not a bad point away? And did anyone impress you on the night? Well, I've got to be honest, actually, when, when I was listening to Talk Sport during the day, I mean, most of the pundits were very screaming about how good Brighton are at the moment, how well disciplined they are. And most pundits were saying this is going to be a bit of a test for Chelsea. And I think as Chelsea fans and, you know, with we kind of think we're going to just rock up and, and roll everyone over. And I don't think that's the case at the moment, particularly with all the problems we've had. And I mean, if I touch on another problem, I, I think that's been put on too cool. I, I think the the contract negotiator and all the all the everything going on with Rudiger Christensen I don't think we should be ever getting in a position where we've you know our, our defenders are getting you know their heads turned by big money offers and oh, is he going to do this is he going to stay is he going to go and I, I it, for me I think if you know if a player going to go into his last year of his contract and he's you know dicking about I think he should be sold and I don't think I don't think that's helped at all um, as good as Rudiger's been, I think Christensen's started the season very well and he seems to have gone off the boil a little bit, but that's, you know, that's just a blip. But I, I definitely think that hasn't helped as well, if I could add one other kind of club problem, yeah. which I, I don't think's helped at all. I think, I think that's true. Um, but I have a slightly different take. I have a feeling that out of the two, it feels like Christensen may be the one who goes out the door. And I've got a funny feeling that Rudiger may stay. Um, it, it's strange because Christensen, we keep hearing, oh, suddenly he's got an injury, then he gets another injury. I just wonder if, if look, it's pure speculation, but I can see him being the one who goes. What about you, Andy? Have you thought much about it? You just wait for the news. Well, to a degree, I just wait for the news. But yes, I mean, we've discussed this on previous podcasts, I, I think there's a grain of truth in that. You know, I was watching Rudiger yesterday. He was superb again yesterday. He's such a great player. He's so committed and passionate and consistent in his performances. Um, I really, really hope he stays. But, you know, he's not a spring chicken. I can understand Chelsea going, you know, maybe we don't want to spunk the budget on this guy who's, you know, at this age. Maybe we can upgrade to a younger player that's going to be... I mean, I can understand what they're thinking is... As a fan, as a Chelsea fan, I hope he stays. Not my money. I don't care what they pay him. I'm just trying to think about what 
what Chelsea's sort of thought processes are in this because you know if he stays and we get someone in alongside him to partner him when Thiago Silva inevitably starts to wind down which he has to at 38 years of age uh, at some point then uh, you know I think we're golden but I think you might be right you know it's just a case of um, you know whether, whether we can come to the deal but then it's always a case of whether we can come to the deal so it is just speculation. Yeah, well, there is there is a rumor going around West Stand Upper that the reason that of our se- season ticket prices have gone up from twelve hundred quid to three thousand seven hundred next year that it is to uh, pay Rudiger's wages next. Is so that what your season stay. tickets have gone up to? Uh, this season they're twelve hundred quid, and they've given it a bit of a spruce up. They've done the bars nicely. This is West View, yeah. This is West Upper, yeah, which they've called West View, and what they've said is. You know, you can have it this year, but next year they're going to go up. Do you want to stay? So I thought, yeah, I'll stay and have a look. And then we got a letter through the post saying, by the way, your season tickets can be £3,700 next season. And it's so it's gone up, you know, like three times. Wow. Um, and, it's, and, and they're kind of making out like it's this amazing corporate thing. It's exactly the same seat. It's just it, the food might be a little bit better if you want a pizza at halftime. I generally don't. And I, it's just, I, it's it's unbelievable what they've done. And it's it's actually, if you look at the ground, it's a big section of, it's actually a, quite a big section of, uh, of stadium, West Upper. And so, I mean, I can't see many people saying, yeah, I want to pay, you know, three times what I'm paying this season, next season. Was so, it, is it, sorry, uh, Seb, is it, is it all of the West Stand Upper? I, I thought West, West View was Upper. just one bit of West no, Stand Upper. West Upper, the whole thing. But what they've said is, if you move out to the, because I've sit right in the halfway line, I've got a great seat, I love my seat. And what they're going to do is they, they do it. So if you're in the middle, it's going to be 3,000, I think three three seven or 3, 8. Um, if you're slightly out, it's 3,200. And if you're right at the very end, it's going to be like two grand or 1,700, something like that. Wow. But there's going to be a lot of people that say, no, put me somewhere else. I'm not paying that. And I mean, I worked out, I think in my head, it's probably about three or 4,000 people. Um, and where are they going to put them all? And I, I just can't see everyone saying, yeah, I want to pay three times more than what I'm paying now. And it's it's pretty disgusting. And, yeah, it is. And, and that has a massive knock-on effect in, in all sorts of... I mean, number one, it brings in more corporate seats which has a big impact on the atmosphere but you know just in terms of things like away tickets you know they're going to give those corporate uh seat bugs more access to away tickets which are already limited which is a big bugbear of mine so you know it has a massive knock-on effect and i mean it is irritating i didn't realize it was that much money blimey yeah. that's i mean i knew it was going to go up a little bit but when i got it i was shocked i mean it's just you know, as well you're absolutely loaded isn't it because what would you do <laughs> Well, the thing Another is, I'm, I'm, I miss quite a few games because of work. And so I share it. There's, there's a group of us, you know, right. so there's always someone to take my tickets. But, you know, it, it, it puts, you know, you know, I think if we worked out, it's now, it then becomes like 200 quid a game. 200 and, quid a is, game. Which is, which is insane. It is. It, well, especially with somebody. Insane. I mean, it's all right when you get an absolute corker. But, you know, if it's if right, it's yeah. like a midweek against Norwich or something. Yeah, I think, they, I think they throw in the FA Cup games now, which are only cheap tickets anyway. Well, so. they're only 25 quid. It, exactly. But I, I honestly, and it has kind of, you know, it, it's tainted my my Chelsea love a little bit this season. Don't blame ever you. Since I, ever since I got that letter, I've been a bit... 
like you know, I'm really unhappy about this. But I have yeah. to see. I've I've asked to be moved, and we'll have to see whether they'll they've got space elsewhere. Well, on the subject of tickets, I I I've been displaced for the first time because of the Champions League. So my tickets in the West End Low, I've been displaced for sponsors. So they've taken a block oh. of 340 seats out of my block and given them all to sponsors, which you know has made me cross. Uh, but you know, I guess so. They've given or they've allowed me to buy tickets in Westview for 75 quid or whatever so i shall have a look and see what it's like um but i'm sure it's i'm sure it's not three thousand seven hundred quids worth well well, you know what it is it's you're paying three thousand seven hundred quid for the same seat you know i've had that seat eight nine years yeah and so it feels like a real kick in the teeth it really does. I mean, it's, it yeah. just shows how, I mean, they didn't even tell me I was being displaced either. All I well, did was I tried to log on and buy my ticket and it told me I couldn't. I, I mean, how difficult is it to send an email to the people that are being displaced to say, really sorry, but these are the conditions we have to work under in the Champions League. And, and I'm sorry, but you're being displaced, but here's what you could do. They didn't even tell me. Well, I tell you, the the interesting thing is, I wonder, because it used to be the Matthew Harding lower that would get the people displaced and things. I wonder if that's because that's now got the standing bars that they thought, well, we can't it's, give them the seats in now. It's absolutely what it is. It's absolutely what it is, yeah. yeah safe no, standing, yeah. Yeah, safe standing. I mean, yeah. it is it, It's crazy. Um, but that just goes to show, as always, the last people to find out are the actual season ticket holders and ticket holders in general. You know, decisions get made. Um, all right, well, look, on, on the cheery and, and almost, you know, surreal note of ticket prices and i have to say i was quite surprised to see the leal prices were over 60 quid or whatever um for for the next round of the champions league that that was quite a surprise um when i bought the tickets today but there we go um so we should go to the commercial break and we'll be back after this And we're back. Right, okay. Let's have no more talk of ticket prices until maybe a little bit later. But um, let's move on. Let's move on to the one guarantee. It's the (laughs) usual game against Tottenham, and we can win that. Um, And so it turned out to be. But I was kind of a bit nervous about this one, Andy, because we won quite easily in a weird way they'd have a little moment and have a little run around and then we'd just stroll out winners again could we do it for the fourth time in a season i was a bit concerned but then of course it turned out all right were you concerned at all andy i'm always concerned (laughs) because i know that we are or certainly this season we've been a bit quixotic um in our performances and teams that we you know, looked like we were going to struggle against. We've actually done well against, for example, Liverpool um, and teams that, uh, you know, I, I feel we should have beaten quite convincingly. We struggled against. So it's been very difficult this year to uh, to call it. Um, and I went to both of the Spurs Carabao Cup games um, and Spurs were awful, pitiful in both games. Um, we didn't really have to get out of third gear and we beat them convincingly. In fact, we should have beaten them a lot more convincingly uh, if it weren't for our finishing. Um, so coming into the game, my 
Hart was telling me that uh, this is going to be pretty straightforward and they're not going to have changed that remarkably in a week or so. Um, but my head was saying, hang on a minute, this is Chelsea. We're coming off against a, a, a pretty sort of uh, uh, disappointing result against Brighton. Um, we're tired. We've got some injuries. Maybe Spurs and Conte will lift their game against us and 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 uh, and, and we'll go away disappointed but as it happens they were crap and pitiful again <laughs> what about you Seb were you worried I, I presume you're you're a bit like uh, Andy there that uh, no you you were absolutely fine about it um I, I, I was a bit worried because you know I did, we, we had such a good such a good run against Tottenham particularly of late you know I didn't want that to be another nail in this kind of you know run of you know fairly uninspiring games but it turned out that we pulled our socks up and we did what we always do against Tottenham and you know it was it was smiles all round I it was it was a great display and you know and I think like I, I said I don't like normally getting on any players back but I think Muziek I, I've, I've just wanted more from him and then we got it in the Tottenham game he was fantastic I mean what a goal I mean that goal I could watch that all day uh, it, just the way it dipped the way it went right in that corner and I just the whole thing was just a, a, a mood lifter after, you know, the games that we had watched. Because I, I, I think in the last few games, even when we were winning, there was still a sense of impending doom. We could literally be about to throw this down the toilet any minute. And there wasn't on on um, on Sunday. I thought there was a really good performance. Um, I, I think Lukaku still looks a bit isolated and a bit unhappy. And I don't know whether that's because of his little interview and hissy fit or whether Tuchel's not getting the best out of him um I I don't know yet but in terms of a whole team it was a great display yeah I I think that that's a fair summation of the game um there there were certain things that I I thought we could look ZX goal is a goal that even he celebrated um, it, it was it was a thing of great beauty. It had that beautiful moment. I love those moments when a goalkeeper takes a move one way, then tries to take a move another, and then just looks up just to the sky it. as it goes past them, almost in slow motion. I don't know what it was like in the ground, but on TV, it felt like slow motion. Because at first, the moment he hit it, you thought... That's going over. That's going way. Up. That's going. Way, that's just going to drop it. I mean, it, it, I mean, I tell you what it was in the ground. Yeah, you looked at Larice, and Larice, Larice was like, "It's all right, lads. That's going wide." It was like, "It's all right. Don't worry about it." It's going. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> it, it really was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's that moment where they full confidence. Oh no! Let's and, talk about this goal, though, right? Because what was interesting, you know, what what myself, I was sitting next to Gary Hayes. I had the misfortune of sitting next to Gary Hayes for the whole game. In um, my seat. In your seat. Thank you very much. Yes, Which I've was. yet to sit in. I know, but it's a lovely seat, by the way. You'll enjoy it oh. um, in the West End. Low. Um and uh, not upper. I hasten to add, at four million pounds. Um, we were we were saying it would be really nice if Callum Hudson Odoi actually went past someone um because he certainly has the capability of doing so and frankly Tanganga just didn't look up for it at all uh, and we were very frustrated in the ground that, that Callum just wasn't taking him on and the one time he took him on it resulted in that Ziyech goal um and I think that 
I thought from the very beginning, Ziyech just looked like he had a bit about him, didn't he? Just looked like he had a little bit more snap, a little bit more energy, just a little bit more creative now than than other players on the pitch. And we've seen flashes of that before. But he looked a little bit stronger. He was putting his foot in. He was winning the ball back. Second balls were bouncing for us. And we can put some of that down to Spurs being dreadful. Uh, but a lot of it, I think, was was forced by ZX's attitude and his confidence. And we talked a little bit earlier about the sort of lack of confidence in the team. This is what it's like when players are confident. Don't know where that's come from. Don't know why he suddenly got that confidence. Don't know why he suddenly put that performance in. But when other players supported him, he was able with that you know, trademarked wand of a left foot to, um, you know, to, to to pick that top corner out. It was remarkable. He had another great shot in the game as well that was well saved by Lloris. But, you know, he just looked like he was taking Spurs to pieces on his own all afternoon. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a wonder. We finally saw... For me, I think it it was without doubt his best game for us, and I think everyone would say that. But we finally saw this player that we believed we were getting. The wand was back... Everything was magical. Time stopped around him, which is always that mark of those kind of players when they're on the top of the game. And you just hope this is the beginning for him. If it's the beginning for him, he's going to become, for a certain amount of time, without a doubt, a first-name-on-the-sheet kind of guy. We've seen um, it, though. We've seen it before. We've yeah. seen him try it. What, what I liked about it, listen, I'm, I don't know. I was at the game. You know, I was looking at him. It seemed to me he played a little bit deeper and a little bit wider. And I think that gave him time to set himself and then make the move. When he's playing further up the pitch, when he's having to take the ball with the centre back right up him, you know, when 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 the defenders are all over him, he can look a little bit fragile on the ball. When he's playing a little bit deeper, he can receive, he can turn and then he can pick his pass or then he can go or then he can spin away. And I think that that may be something that Tuchel has said to him, sit a little bit deeper and then and then trigger forward. And and it's it just seemed to me it seemed obvious. I don't know if that if that was something anybody else noticed. No, I don't that, notice things as advanced as that, Andy. You're, you're, you're the. <laughs> but you know, okay. So someone else I'd like to talk about who I actually thought had a really good game, um, and he's come in for a little bit of flack now and then. Uh, Malang Sar, I thought. Yeah. I thought he had. I, I mean, he always seems to play really well against Tottenham. But Seb, what did you think of him? I thought he was good. Like I said earlier on, I think it's been difficult for so many different players to come into different positions. And, and, you know, until very recently, we've kind of kept the same same formation throughout. And and the last couple of weeks, we've had some very different formations. I know that Andy said before, some would describe it as a 4-2-2. You know, it was all some different things. Um, Definitely this formation, which we had, Worked with Fazek. Saar looked great. I just think all the defenders looked very comfortable. I thought um, Thiago Silva looked great on the weekend. Um, I just, it was just a good display all round. I think really. Yeah, I, I, I think that think that's absolutely right. You it was know, Malang Saar's birthday as well. Oh, there you go. Was it? Well, yeah, it was his birthday. I thought he did well. I tell you what. I tell you why. I, it was you could tell that he played well because you didn't really notice him. He wasn't. He wasn't really noticeable in the game. He was, you know, he had that understated calmness um, and, you know, that that ability to just deal what was in front of him. I mean, you talk about Lukaku being isolated. Bloody hell, Harry Kane. 
I mean, Harry Kane had no one near. He had to drop into into his own half most of the time. And when you see Harry Kane essentially playing as a defensive midfielder, you know they're screwed. Um, you know he was he was terrible. They're, they've got massive problems. But in answer to your question about Malang Sar, yeah, I mean, I think he's played what nine or ten games for us now. He looked a little bit shaky when he started. He doesn't yet look like the finished article, but he has an assuredness and a confidence, particularly when we're playing out of defence that I like and which I think bodes really well for the future. Okay, here's the very simple question. Was it a push? Yes or no? Of course it was. Of course it was. There's no argument in that. Uh, It was definitely a push. And it was a penalty. I mean, it was you know, it was it was definitely a push. It was wasn't a goal. I was about to say if it was the other way round, it would have been. It was a, it, it was definitely. I mean, you could see him. I, he he went down heavily. Um, but I think that's you know when you know you've got VAR watching you and stuff. I think it, it's it's clear that he he did the push and he went down for it. There was no reason yeah. for him to go down. The ball was behind Harry Kane. He would have had more than enough time to kind of deal with it. And I just think that when you're running at that at that you know at that velocity, anything's going to go you down. I mean, the way he went down as well was very natural. It wasn't like he dived. Yeah, of course it was. And you know, any arguments That's to the practice con- that is any any arguments to the contrary are ridiculous. What yeah, do you no, think, I- Kerry? Oh, it's obviously a push. How heavy it is, I don't know. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a push. And you can see his arm extend. You know, okay, if his arm didn't extend, you could say, "Mm," but you see his arm extend fully, so it's a straight arm. So, yeah, of course it's a push. Of course it is. And what's brilliant about it is we can add it to the other three disallowed goals in the the previous two games that have been ruled out by VAR, which is brilliant. Well, that's the one thing they've got going under Conte is consistency. Exactly. So there you go. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. And, you know, I, I think we thoroughly deserve the win. I thought Thiago, again, was immense. Brilliant. Especially the way he was on a yellow card. On the whole, he had one moment where he thought, ooh, just a little bit problematical. But he showed how a player should play when they're on a yellow card and not lose their game. He stayed on his feet pretty much the rest of the game. And, of course, he got that little glancing header, which is amazing because we've talked about how he's not the biggest uh, central defender around. And yet he comes up with these goals all he's the a time. Great, he's great in the air, though. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's not a giant, but he's got such great control in the air. Um, you know, and, and, you know, as well as the first 10 yards and his head cliche, he has got that spring. And, you know, a bit like Frank Sinclair and other players that we've had in the past that aren't the biggest players, he's, he's very good in the air and very, he's very combative as well. So he will, he will win the ball. Um, but yeah, and no, I thought I thought he was brilliant. It was great at the end. You probably didn't see it on the TV, but at the end he went and stood in front of the Matthew Harding stand, and they were all singing his name, and he was cupping his ears. And he has got that bond with the with the crowd um, that you really see when you're at the game. Um, that you know that they really feed off of him and vice versa. It's a it's a lovely thing to see because we've spoken a lot before about how these players come at the end of their careers to Chelsea, pick up a wage check and disappear and we forget all about them. But Thiago Silva is somebody that's going to be etched into our history, I think, as a as a player that's come and really bonded with the fans. And yeah, you have I- to think you have to think as well in terms of what he gives to people like Chalabar and Malang Sar in terms of their development. I mean, it's immense. I mean, I'm so happy that he's, you know, here for another season as well. Me too. Me too. And I think that's very true. And I think when Malang Sar and Chalabar and these 
younger players when they get to, you know, a stage in their career, maybe ten years down the line. I th- I'm sure they'll reference the the training and the and the mentorship they had from Thiago Silva because I mean, a bit like John Terry playing with Marcel Desai, isn't it? You can't help but learn from somebody that's played at that level and play so consistently well at that level. No, I'd agree, and and also the other thing is. The bond that he's created, which really has been created from, especially from that moment in the stand that we always talk about when he's there on a cold winter's night, cheering and urging everyone on. In the Atletico when, game. Yeah, exactly. The The one thing that is certain is that if he goes after the end of next year, you'll think of him not as a player who only played for us for three seasons. You'll think of him as part of the fabric of Chelsea. And I, I think that's... Such a testament to what a player he is. Very difficult for, as I say, for for a player that's had such a storied career at another club to come to us and 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 be, you know, make himself so present in the history of the club. It's very. I can't think of many players that have done that. Uh, maybe Zola, who came to us reasonably late in his career, but he wasn't as old as Thiago Silva. Um, but you know, he'd had a fairly storied career before he came to us. I think that um, you know, as you say, it'll only be three seasons, but they've been three highly significant seasons. And he's so charismatic, so charismatic on the pitch um, that you know, it's been a, it's been an absolute privilege to watch him. Yeah, but and I story- was down on him. I was down on the signing. Whoa, you know, I, I'm on. happy to hold my hands up and say, why are we signing a 36-year-old <coughs> player as a central defender? Doesn't make any sense. I mean, how yeah, but- wrong was I? Happy to admit that. Yeah, but, you know, that's when I know we've made a good signing when you start having a go at him. I think, phew, he's <laughs> going to be all right. <laughs> and, and also, it's interesting you say is, is story, the story player like at PSG. Well, you know what? He never won the Champions League at PSG, did he? He didn't, no. Ah, no, he did not. You've got to come to Chelsea for the big ones, I tell you. All right, Seb, um, for you, what, what was your takeaway thoughts from the Tottenham game as we head off into the winter break? In a second, because it's only the Cup game against Plymouth coming up, we'll do a quick prediction tonight rather than do a separate show. Um, so we'll stick around for that. Um, what are your takeaway thoughts after Tottenham and having reached this point of the season? My takeaway is that we're, you know, we're dealing with all our complications and injuries and COVID and all of that. I still have a real worry about Lukaku. He just doesn't look very happy. He doesn't look happy in himself. I don't know whether it's Tuchel not getting the best out of him. You know, that all the furore around his interview hasn't helped. But there's still something, you know, I mean, when he, he, even his first touch on the ball doesn't seem, he seems more isolated. And I think it, hopefully in the next, couple of weeks we can kind of make him happy and I I don't want another you know uh, a record transfer that literally didn't work out at Chelsea because there have been so many of those where we buy these you know this striker is going to I think it's only Costa and Drogba that have really produced exactly what they what they promised I think you know we've had so many between Torres Shevchenko going all the way back to Fleck you know and, and just so many Chelsea strikers have have kind of just come to us and then ruined their career so I pray that that's not the case and we make him happy and he we, he does what he can do and Andy what are your takeaway thoughts as we head into the winter break are we on track for the future um, just before we get, I just, I just looked up that, that, uh, Zola thing, just so I didn't make a fool of myself. He came to us when he was 30. Um, but he'd already had, you know, 
pretty long career at Palmer and Napoli and various other teams before that, but not 38 or 36 when when uh, when Silver came to us. But you know, still pretty late in his career. Um, in answer to and your question, never won the European Cup Winners' Cup with either of those. So no, absolutely yet again. Um, so uh, so uh, in answer to your question, what's what what do I think about it? I, I'm totally in agreement with Seb. I think we we're dealing with all sorts of stuff. We're we're dealing with a bunch of issues that are slightly out of our control, whether it be pandemic related or whether it be transfer related, and certainly whether it be injury related. And they're all excuses, but I think they're all valid excuses. You know, people talk about us having a big squad, but the key players in that squad aren't available for for one reason or another. So I think we've done pretty well. I think Brighton was a just a, a sort of an, an adir, if you want, a low point, you know, with an exhausted team lacking in confidence. But we, we bought it back for Tottenham uh, you know which is really good I'd like to touch on Lukaku if I may I'm not giving up on Lukaku yet I was slightly irritated at Brighton to hear the abuse that he got off of some of our fans and the abuse he got yesterday off some of our fans it's almost like some people are willing him to fail to fit their own narrative uh, and I'm not having that you know because we've been here a thousand times with players who haven't had great first seasons Drogba's first season not great I've said it a hundred times on here Lampard's first season not great and I think that it's it's important that we stop and reflect and think where our squad is at the moment, whether having those two fullbacks would have provided a little bit more service for him or a little bit more security for him. The problem I have with Lukaku is he gets isolated up front. And the reason he gets isolated up front is because there are no runners off him. Why aren't people running from midfield? Why isn't Callum Hudson-Odoi going past people? Why isn't Ziyech and Mount going past people? So when he holds the ball up, he's got an option to either play it back and spin or he's got an option to turn and play in at the moment he's holding it up and having to play it sideways or back it doesn't make sense to me and that's what we've got to fix is how do you get people running past Lukaku because Lukaku's really strong at holding the ball up but at the moment he's slightly pointlessly holding the ball up um, you know and I think he needs more service now these are excuses and I think maybe he isn't at his best he lacks a little bit of confidence his finishing isn't great people were having a go at him yesterday for the first chance early on that ball was behind him it wasn't an easy chance so you know I just think people need to get off his back I think people People need to step back a little bit, think about some of the issues that we've got as a team, the culture of the club at the moment, give the guy a chance to, you know, to, to grow into it. The interview wasn't smart. That wasn't a smart move. Hopefully he's learned from that and he's rebuilding himself, uh, his trust with the fans and his trust with his teammates. But let's not will him to fail. There's no value in that. Do you now, think, though, there's been quite a few pieces written about that, you know, he always, when he was at... Um, he was playing off with another, you know, with a strike partner and he's not getting that. And I mean, I certainly agree with you. I think some of Lukaku's problems are actually other players' problems. Pulisic's not been as good as he has been. Callum Hudson-Odoi hasn't. He's not getting all of that movement around him, like you said. Mm. So it's not all down to him, but he's definitely, there has been a lot said, is Tuchel using him in the best way to get the best out of him? And I, I, I you know, I think only... Only an elite manager will know that. My son said, you know, yesterday, he said he, he does make weird runs. You know, he seems to run straight at defenders, you know, and it's like maybe you need to, to think about that and maybe that's a confidence issue or he's not playing as instinctively as he could do. Maybe he's overthinking it. Maybe he's worried about what people... I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a hundred things going on. But I think to kind of write a player of his proven quality off this early into his Chelsea career is madness. That's my view on it. 
Yeah, I, I look, I, my thoughts on everything. Uh, we're at an interesting point. We're not probably at the point we thought we were going to be at. I think this season was going really well, then it got derailed and not by ourselves. And we've struggled to get back to, to the way we want to play. I think Tuchel has discovered there are certain issues within the squad that can't cope with certain things that he's demanding. Um, hopefully, we'll get a bit more uh, of a respite over this next two-week period for a lot of the players, and we can come back refreshed. There's a chance that Rhys James could be back soon. That will help as well, because I think that uh, we really need somebody like him in the side. And, of course, we know... There's a problem on the left-hand side. I think Alonso is high and dry on his own. We need to at least have some competition for him for the rest of the season. Other than that, I think, you know, we can't be unhappy with everything that's gone on. It's not where we wanted to be. Of course it's not. But we're still in there. We're still fighting. Unfortunately, it feels as though everything's a bit transitional this year and not necessarily by our own design. Mm. So, yes, we, we move on. And lastly... There's, a, there's, a, there's the alcohol... I don't know if you know about the alcoholic's prayer. The first line of which is, God give me the grace to accept the things I can't control. And I think we as a fan base have to turn around and go, we can't control a lot of these factors. We can't control the injuries. We can't control the COVID. We can't control, you know, the transfer saga. We can't control any of that. You know, we need to relax a little bit and accept that this is, these are difficult transitional times and believe that we're playing the long game here. We're all fans for life. We can't choose it. Can't choose our football team. We can't go somewhere else. We're all stuck in this. We might as well enjoy it if we can and try and enjoy it if we can and go with it. There's no point going to a football match, screaming your personal abuse at players and, and losing your mind, you know, because of your own personal frustrations. I think start to, well, not start to, but just take a step back and try and try and accept that there are things that we can't control. Yep. No, that's a fair point. All right. Well, look, let's just before we go, let's have a quick prediction for Plymouth in the cup. Seb, you can go first on this one. When we come back, it's the mighty Plymouth Argyle. Green army. And we haven't played them for like 20 years. We played them in a pre-season friendly. I went. I went all the way down to Plymouth to see them in a pre-season friendly because... What was the score? Give me me a... a, It was a really boring draw, I think. But the reason I went is because we just signed Gianluca Vialli. And I thought, oh... I'll go and see Gianluca Vialli before, and he didn't. He, I don't think he came on. He was on. He was on the bench, but he never came on. So I went all the way down to deepest dark. Someone, someone will disabuse me of that. But my memory was, I went a very long way, fairly pointlessly. Okay, I've got a gig in Plymouth fairly soon, so I'm going to have to be quite kind. I'm going to go three nil. Okay, Andy. Oh, five nil. We'll smash him. Okay, I'm going one nil. Extra time. have you got a gig in Plymouth or something (laughs) (laughs) no I'm trying to get one Um, (laughs) right well that's it look time is up well chaps enjoy the break from football you know I don't really like having a break from football but there you go have a brilliant time Seb as always it's lovely to have you on the show and we hope to see you in the next few weeks Andy as always it's been lovely to have you here of course chewing the fat the Chelsea fat. All right, everybody. Well, look, enjoy the break. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Keep the blue flag flying high. Come on, you blues. 
If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.